I titled this, What is the Holy Spirit Doing in Us? What is the Holy Spirit doing in you right now? We know that if we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? What is he doing in us? And tonight we're going to look at five big things that he does in us. And, and as I was preparing for tonight's message, uh, I think God just gave me a fresh analogy about a way to open up this message. Um, uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw my doctor, and uh, I've been on cholesterol medication for 15 years. I had high cholesterol, and it's down in a good range. And um, my family's had a history of uh, um, you know, heart disease and bypasses and so forth. So you know, I, I want to take good care of my health. And so uh, my doctor was saying there's a new test that you can do. In fact, he said he had it done, and he showed me the picture of it. It's called a calcium CT scan. I don't know if any of you have had that. But it's a CT scan, and they scan you looking for calcium buildup in any of your arteries, veins, around your heart, because that's what the plaque is made up of, I guess, of calcium. And so you get this. So yesterday morning, I went and had my scan. You know, you're laying there with your hands above your head, and this thing's twirling around you, and you, you have to take a big breath and hold it and so forth, because I was really interested. What is going on inside of me? Because, you know, you can't see that. So often people have you know, a problem with their heart or need a bypass or stents or something until they're already seeing the pain. So it's like, I was really curious. Like, well, okay, yeah, I, I really would like to do it. So then today I get, my, I get a call from my doctor. He said, I got the results. And on a zero to 400 scale or whatever, he says, you got zero. They didn't find any. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, really reassuring that there's nothing wrong, you know, and, and so forth. And Barb's first words is, well, I hope it was working right. <laughs> yes, it was working right, hon. So <laughs> anyway, um, but, you know, it's just kind of a neat thing because you don't know what's on the inside of you health-wise, right? And as they develop these new tests, you know, you know they sometimes in the past, they, they couldn't do that kind of stuff. Well, we're going to look at inside of us related to the Holy Spirit tonight. We're going to get a Holy Spirit CT scan, okay? All of us. And we're going to see what the God's Word says about that. So uh, you can see the, the big question for all of us, what is the Holy Spirit doing in us? And uh, Romans 8, let's start in verse 1. It says, therefore. And remember, anytime you see the word therefore, you have to say, what is it therefore? And that's because this ties to the previous chapter. Pastor Norm, okay, no, we didn't wrestle from last week's message, okay? I think he backed out. I think he chickened out on me. But uh, uh, so uh, he was talking about how Paul was doing the things he wanted, didn't want to do, but, and then didn't do the things he should do, and that struggle that we all have, very real, that sometimes we know what we're supposed to do, but we just don't do it. And the Holy Spirit is in us, but sometimes we don't let the Holy Spirit truly live out what he wants to do in us. Am I right? Am I the only one? I hope not, but we're not perfect. So he's saying, okay, therefore, because of this struggle, like chapter 7 was talking about, now we move into chapter 8, really talking about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And in fact, in chapter 8, the Holy Spirit, or Spirit specifically, is mentioned 19 times. So it's a really important chapter about the Spirit. So let's go back. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because 
Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The, especially verse 1 is a very, very powerful. That's one of those verses you should have memorized. The reason is because the enemy is always wanting to rub our noses into things that we've done past. And remember, this is tying back to chapter 7, where Paul didn't always do the right stuff. And neither do you or I. And oftentimes when we do the wrong things, what is the enemy right there to do? Condemn us. You know, and what God's word is saying, if you're in Christ Jesus, now if you're not in Christ Jesus, this does not apply. If I'm assuming this is a Wednesday night crowd, you're probably in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, not a little bit, not part, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, as it says there, through Christ, the law of the Spirit, which is a different law than the law that of sin and death, is, is set us free. So the first thing we see the Holy Spirit doing in us, number one, the Spirit sets us free from the condemnation of sin and death. Isn't that a great amen? Amen. The Lord, the Lord sets us free. He does not condemn us. Now, I think it's really important for us to all be on the same page related to condemnation versus something the Holy Spirit does do in us. He will convict us. So here's the difference between condemnation and conviction. One comes from the enemy. One comes from the Holy Spirit in us. Conviction will be like this. I had one of those moments this morning. I probably talked a little harsh with Barb. <laughs> and when I went out of the room, the Holy Spirit nudges me like, you need to go back and talk to her. That wasn't right how you talked to her. That's conviction. Very specific. Do this one thing. And I did it, and everything is fine. Condemnation is, you're never going to be good enough. You, you think you're a Christian. You, people, if they really knew you, you're a phony. And it's very, very general. And it's very condemning. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never be able to live this Christian life. You'll never get your act together. If you ever hear that type of stuff in your head, in your mind, and you're a Christian, I guarantee you that did not come from God. Because that's condemnation. There's no condemnation for those of you in Christ Jesus. That should set some of you free right now tonight because some of you have been dealing with condemnation because of your past. Hey, i got a very checkered past. And I'm up here teaching you the Word of God because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He set us free from the law of sin and death. And I'm thankful for that. But I didn't do that. Christ Jesus did that. So if you feel condemned... You've got you to realize you're either one or two things. You're not a Christian, or you're listening to the lies, and you're believing them. One or two things. I'm trusting you're a Christian, so if you're feeling condemned, you're listening to the lies, and you're, and you're more than listening to them. You're giving them uh, some, too much airtime in your head. Don't do it. You've got to stand on the Word of God that says there's no condemnation. So it, it's, it set us free. Many of us have a lot of junk from our past. Hey, probably most of us do. That's okay. Because you know what? When you read this, people in the scriptures, they have a lot of junk in their past. But God chose to use them. I think God gets more glory when he, when he takes an imperfect vessel and puts his Holy Spirit in it and we begin to change. I think he gets a lot of glory from that. 
So don't allow the enemy to, to rub your face in your past. You tell him, that's forgiven. It's under the blood of Jesus. It's gone. As far as east is from the west, it's gone. So don't let that. You know, I, I was thinking of the example of the woman caught in adultery. He didn't condemn her, did he? Jesus. But he said, go sin no more. It was almost like he said, I'm not going to condemn you, but I am going to convict you. Don't go and do that again. Where the, where the religious leaders were wanting to stone her, convict her, even though she was set up. Look what it says in John 3, 17 and 18 up on the screen. We all know John 3, 16, but this is what right after that says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's what we just read. He does not come to condemn, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Amen? But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So in other words, if you're not a Christ follower, we'll give you an opportunity tonight at the end. You can become one. But if you are a Christ follower, you've prayed, you've asked Christ into your life, you've surrendered your life to Christ, you should not be feeling any condemnation. And if you are, you're listening to the lie of the enemy because it goes contrary to, to Scripture. Now we see in verse 2, there's two laws at work. The law of sin and death, that's really the Old Testament law. And then the law of the Spirit, and that's really when we become born again, we're born of water and the Spirit. We, we have the Holy Spirit come in us as we uh, become saved. See, the law of sin and death has three things working in us. If we if we're are the uh, law of sin and death, we have Satan, the flesh, and the world system all working against us. And, and it's like the law of Moses. You know, it, it showed us our sin. It shows the penalty for sin, but it gave us no help in stopping sin. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So in verse 1, we see that we're free from the guilt of sin. And in verse 2, we see we're free from the power of sin. And, and I was thinking about in my own life, you know, what God did in my life. I, I became radically saved in 2000, or not 2000, 1981. I mean, it was like I was a, a very immoral person. I was doing drugs. I once in a while would sell some to some friends. I would get drunk a lot. I was a very immoral person. But I believed in Jesus. But it was a mental thing. He didn't say, I was not in Christ, but I, knew, I could quote scriptures. And when God set me free, when I really repented and became born again, for one of the things that I did do is I grasped onto this whole thing about no condemnation. And God just freed me. And it just set me free enough to serve him, share, witness to people, do things, because if I would not have gotten that principle, if I would have stayed condemned, I would have stayed on the shelf because I would have been like, no, nah, God can't use me. You don't, know, you don't know about my past. You know, all the stuff that I've done. And I did terrible stuff, and just like some of you, probably a few of you worse than me, but, you know, <laughs> it, is, it is what it is, right? I'm not as bad as King David, who the Bible says had a heart after God, fulfilled the purposes of God and fell asleep. You know, But if we allow condemnation to stay there, it will render you ineffective. So that's why God wants the Holy Spirit. One of his roles is to set you free from condemnation. When you fail, and we will all fail, what do we do? 
We repent, we receive his forgiveness, and we move on. We don't continue to stay in that condemnation. Respond to the conviction, no, because that is an important thing. But conviction is very specific. And uh, one of the biggest things that people fear when it talks about this law of sin and death is people fear death. So here's our, our point up on the screen is Jesus defeated death so we don't have to fear it. It's probably the number one fear that people have is the fear of death. And some of you are here tonight and you probably really, when you think about death, you probably really fear death. But God doesn't want you to be afraid of death. He set you free from that. I remember I've gone into some, some dangerous places in the world and people have said, oh, you know, I would never go there. Why? You, you know, that's too risky. You know, why are you doing that? I'm like, if you're in the center of God's will, you're more safe in some of these other countries than you are out on I-95 driving outside of the will of God. So you, the important thing is being in the will of God, not trying to put this protective bubble around you. Say, I don't fear death. Now, I'm not looking forward to it, but I don't fear it. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, because I think this is an important thing for us to see. Since the children, that's you and me, have flesh and blood, he too, talking about Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and look at this, verse 15, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Keep that slide up there for a moment. If you're here on, in, in, listen to this teaching now, or maybe after the fact, listening to it, watching it, or you're there online, and you have a fear of death, God wants to set you free from that. He said there that he broke that power of death over us, that he wanted to free all of us who, many of you have been, you've been a slave of the fear of death your whole life, and he, he wants to break that. You know why that's so, that's so freeing? That's that law of sin and death. God wants to set you free. Amen? So that's one of the first things that he's doing us. Let's keep moving. Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And that's a really important principle to get there that's the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus did not come in sinful flesh. That's why it was a virgin birth. He came, he had the flesh and blood, but not the sin nature. So he came in the likeness of it, but not in sinful nature. So he came in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, that offering for us. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what God is saying there is he wants us to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And our righteousness comes by what Jesus Christ did in that being that sin offering for us. And uh, once we have the Spirit in us, we, we, ha we have an enablement. Without the Spirit of God in us, we can't be good enough. We'll never be good enough. We can try to teach the Ten Commandments, but we'll always fall short. And even Jesus said, you might try to keep them outwardly, but inwardly, if you lust or you hate inwardly, you've broken the commandments. So it's not even about what you do. Even the thoughts can make it. 
Now, it says there that really the, the, there's nothing wrong with the law, the Ten Commandments. So as we go through this teaching, don't think that the problem is with the law. Really, the problem is with us because of our fallen sin nature. Thank you, Adam. Because that's what the problem is. And I want you to think about this. Let's say you're out driving on I-95. And uh, you see this, the speed limit sign. And it says 70. That's like the law. 70 miles an hour. Now, if you go over it, you know you're breaking the law. Okay? And many of you know you can probably go a little over and not get pulled over or anything. But there's a, a, a limit. There's a law. Okay? But that law does not keep you from speeding, does it? Many of you don't, okay? Or many of you do, but don't. Now, I want you to think about this. The law of the Spirit comes in and helps us in a way. And I was trying to think of an analogy like this. The law doesn't go away. There's still a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit. But I remember in my early days of um, working um, in the farm fields with farm workers, there was a time for a year where I drove a a school bus. I drove a school bus uh, taking teenagers out doing farm work uh, for the company I was working with and the school bus had a, a governor. Anybody know what a governor is? Some of you do. It prevents you from speeding. They set it and it's, it's like you cannot go past that because you can put your foot all the way down and it's only going to take you up to a certain level. The engine has a like a, a, it can't go past that. But that's not really even what the spirit does because we still have free choice, don't we? We could still sin if we want to. Then I was trying to think, well, what would be another analogy of it? And I was thinking, uh, a number of years ago, we changed uh, car insurance companies, and we went with a company that says, hey, you can get a discount if you're a safe driver, and we'll know you're a safe driver by you plugging these things into your car, and it's going to record and send by Internet uh, or whatever. It's going it's to let the company know such things as, are you speeding? Are you doing a hard break? Are you doing a jackrabbit st start? You know, you're going to do like unsafe driving habits. And it would, it would buzz at us if, if we would. Anybody, anybody done that? Um, and it was kind of fun because I could look at my wife's reports um, <laughs> online and see, um, oh, hon, you got to, <laughs> says you had a hard break here, you know, it's like... And, but, but you know what it did? It made us very conscious of our driving. Do you know if you have that and you're looking for that discount, you're going to be a much safer driver. You're going to think twice about how you brake, how, how you come up to stoplights, you know, because you know it's like recording. It's sending a message. You know, it'll beep at you and so forth. And it's kind of like that with the Holy Spirit. He's there to help us. But even beyond that, the Holy Spirit gives us a power but it doesn't stop us. But we're much more conscious of sin than we would be without the Holy Spirit in us. And we'll get more into that here in a second. So there's nothing wrong with the law, but it does not prevent us from sinning. But the Holy Spirit does help us. It makes us conscious of it and hopefully encourages us not to do it. Let's keep going. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. I want you to see as we go on through this next part, there's a connection between how we live and our mindset. What you're thinking about determines how you live. 
There's a connection, a direct connection between what you think about, your mindset, versus your living. So look at it again, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh, and again, that's the sin nature, have their mindset on what the flesh desires. That would be sin things. But those who live according with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Verse 7 is really, it just shows you how terrible the flesh is. Because look what it says. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It absolutely has no power to do it. But those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So here's the second thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. Number two is the Spirit gives our minds life and peace. We see that there in verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Don't we want that in our minds? Don't we need life? Don't we need peace? You know? And, and that's one of the Holy, things the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I think a lot of times about the fruit of the Spirit. When I think about things like joy... You know, we know peace is one of those fruit. Kindness and goodness and self-control and faithfulness and all these things, they're, they're, they're part of us having life in the Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. So we see there that's the Spirit's, uh, what He wants to do in our mind and, and just give us that refreshment. But you can see that if we don't have that, it's, it's, it's death. I mean, it's not good. So I have up on the screen, you can see what the flesh desires is self first. It's always about us first, which leads to sin and death. But what the Spirit desires is Christ first. It wants to honor God. It wants to put Christ first, and the, the result of that is life and peace. So the next point is this. We must set our minds to know and obey what God desires. As you're in the Bible... As you're reading, you know what you're doing is you are, it's like the Holy Spirit, you're getting more and more filled with the Spirit as you're more and more filled with the Word. It's a whole lot easier to obey the Word if you know it. The more you read it, the easier it is to obey it. It's like you're, you're taking it all in. But the opposite is also true. If you don't open the Bible, you're, you're gonna, and, you, and all you're doing is listening to the news and the culture around you and maybe you got some ungodly friends and you're hearing all kinds of negative 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 stuff it's going to be really hard to obey god because your mindset is not going to be on the things of god it's going to be on what you've been taken in and uh and so that's part of what uh and you, you see this principle in galatians 5 look at it up on the screen it says here so i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh now, I think verse 16 there is really important because so often people have this mindset of, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. So it's almost like this self-determination. No, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't look at this. I won't do that. I won't do that. That's not the answer. It's not about saying no. It's about saying yes. Because look at it again. It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's where your strength comes from. It's not your determination. It's the Holy Spirit taking control. Does that make sense? It says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, 
and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. It's like this tug of war taking place between the spirit and the flesh. Back and forth, tug of war. And I've, I've heard it described before. You've probably heard this analogy. I really like it, so I'm going to share it. It's like there's two dogs fighting. One dog is white and pure. It's just this beautiful white dog that's just like no, no, the hair just is nice and smooth with great glow on its, on its uh, hair. And then you have this gray dog that's all matted fur, dirty. It's just like all like ugly looking fangs coming out of it. And these two dogs are fighting. Which dog's going to win? The answer is the dog you feed. Because that's going to be a stronger dog. Many people are feeding the flesh, and they're wondering why they don't get victory in the spirit. We have to turn that around. Remember what it just said? It said, live by the spirit. Live by the spirit. Fill yourself up with the word of God. Live by the spirit. And then you're going to have a strength to say no to the, to the fleshly stuff. Uh, I, I'll give you another analogy. Um, you all know what this is. A sponge. Now let's just say I soaked up something. And I had two options for you. Milk or Coca-Cola. And I soaked it all up and I held this sponge up. And I would say, what did I just soak up? Likely, you would not be able to tell until something happened. And what would that thing be? You squeeze it. Because when you squeeze it, what's on the inside comes out. Now, why don't you think about it with your life? When you're stressed, when you're squeezed, what's coming out? That's likely what you've been soaking up. Because I meet people that are going through tremendous trials, and I think, Man, you have such godly fruit come out of your life, even though you're going through great difficulties. And then I meet other people that have half of what they're going, another person's going through, and I'm thinking, you're falling all apart. You're like a mess. And what is, this, what is the answer? What have you been soaking up? This is why it's so important that we're in the Word of God, that we're, we're being led by the Spirit and letting the Spirit take control of our life. This isn't about just a self-help lesson. This isn't about like, oh, okay, I'm just going to try that much harder. No, it's about really letting the Spirit take control of our lives. So, let's keep going. Verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. So there's a qualifier there. What he's saying there is, if you've given your life to Christ... You have the Spirit in you, unless you're not in Christ. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So we've all been given the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Remember, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit when we become born again. So here's a little test for all of you, because I don't know every one of you, and there might be somebody here who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in them. You haven't given your life to Christ. And I want to make sure you do know, okay? Because there's, there's a part of you that maybe you're listening to lies. That's different. But then there could be some of you that have not surrendered your life to Christ. And you, that's, the, that's what you have to do to, for you to get the victory in your life, to live by the Spirit, to do the things that we're talking about. You've got to give your life to Christ. So, so here's the little t- test for us. How do you know if the Holy Spirit lives in me? 
This is your CT scan here, okay? Here's the, here's the thing. I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you've done that, by faith, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And here's another thing. I desire to please and honor God, changing to be more like Jesus. Now, there are some people who say, oh yeah, I pray a little prayer, and there's absolutely no change take place. I don't know if they've really accepted Jesus Christ. I thought I was saved before I was saved. And I bet you some of you have were too. Because you, you, know, you went through some motion, but it didn't really change you. So here's the next thing, is I desire to please and honor God, changing to be more like Jesus. does not mean you're perfect. It means you're still going to struggle, you're not, and so forth. But there's change taking place. And remember what Jesus said. He said, my sheep hear my voice. So here's the third thing. I hear God's voice through his word. And I know that that comes with time where you become more and more in tune with the Spirit as you're reading the Bible. But if you never hear, you, you open the Bible and it's like a foreign language to you and no, nothing's jumping out at you and you're not changing, there could be a problem. And I would rather see you be a little uncomfortable and maybe make sure and give, give your life to Christ than to give you a false sense of, of security. Does that make sense? I'd much rather you make sure than to be like, oh, yeah, everything's fine, and, there's absolute, and it is a problem. So this is a little test from Scripture. You could back all that stuff up with Scripture, and that will show you that the Holy Spirit is living in you if you're doing those things. Now let's keep going. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. That just means that we're all going to die someday. Our bodies are going to, unless Jesus comes back for us in the rapture, we're all going to be either cremated or buried in a coffin. I mean, we're, we're going to die because we have this sin in our body and so forth. But it, our real us is going to live forever, our spirit and soul. Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because the spirit who lives in you. Because his spirit lives in you. Uh, that is a, a tremendously powerful verse, verse 11. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about what that took. Lives in you. Isn't that powerful? That's so important for us to understand when we're going through struggles. When we, we were like, I don't know what to do. I, I, you know, I just feel the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That should energize you spiritually. There should be like, well, I, I, I just need to pray. I, I need to be like back in tune with the Spirit. He lives in me, but right now maybe I'm tuning him out. Maybe I've been soaking up too much of the world and I'm not able to hear his voice. He lives in us. Verse 11, and if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because the Spirit lives in you. Verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So in verse 13 there, we see what the next thing that the Holy Spirit does in us. And I phrase it this way. The Spirit helps us Say no to sin and yes to God. So, so important. 
It's not just about saying no to sin. It's also, he helps us to be obedient. When you're reading something in the scripture and you're saying, okay, I've run into this passage and I see what it says, I know I'm not doing that. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to do it. See, sin isn't just what we commit. It's also sometimes what we omit. There's sins of commission. I committed that. And there's sins of omission. It means I, I didn't do what I should have done. And the Holy Spirit wants, us, wants to help us. He wants to put to death those misdeeds. In other words, the sins. And He wants us to be able to live by the Spirit. So that's another thing that the Holy Spirit does. One of the things, as we know, is the temptations will come. Temptation is not sin. It's when we give into it. But I think one of the things that Satan does when he tempts people is he, he tempts them to somehow gratify their sin nature, their flesh. Oh, you deserve this. Oh, nobody really knows. Oh, it's going to be so pleasurable. Just do it this one time. You, you, you need this. It's, it's a gratification of the sin nature. And that's what temptation is. And the stronger you get spiritually, the easier it is to say, no, I'm not doing that because I'm saying yes to God. Look what it says in Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say, note ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Do you see the yes and the no there? That God helps us say no to ungodliness, but also to say and live those self-controlled, upright, godly lives. So again, it's not about what you don't do. It's also about what we get to do. That's the Holy Spirit in us, helping us. Let's keep moving. Verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So this one, we see number four right here in verse 14. And that is, the Holy Spirit guides our life. The Holy Spirit guides our life. Those who are led by the Spirit. How do you know if you're led by the Spirit? It's always a tough question. Sometimes people will come to me as a pastor and they say, I'm, probably one of the hardest things is, is this the will of God? You ever wonder that? Is this the will of God that I date this person, that I marry this person, that I moved, is it, that is it buy this house or take this job or whatever it might be? Is this the will of God? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. So we pray, we ask him. But we have to be open then. We can't say, God, please bless the plan and the decision I've already made. Because oftentimes that's what we do. We want this, so we are going to make the decision. And, oh, by the way, God, I need you to help me on this. That doesn't work that way. We need to be led by the Spirit rather than the Spirit. We don't lead the Spirit. Okay? And so here's just some little things that help me with these decisions. And you've probably heard me talk about it before. Is, is, uh, the first thing is, will this decision help me become more like Jesus? You know, because he's never going to guide you to do something that will cause you to be less like Jesus. So if all of a sudden you have to take a job, but you'll no longer be able to come to church, I don't think that that's of God. Because it's going to be hard for you to do a lot of the things that's outlined in Scripture if you're not with other Christians, worshiping together, serving, and so forth. You know, and so you just take a look at those things. Will this decision honor God? 
Will it, in other words, will it, will it help me become more like Jesus? Will it honor God? And sometimes it's important also to get godly input from people. You know, people that you look up to spiritually, have them pray because sometimes they'll say, what you're wanting to do, I see it as a contradiction to what is in Scripture. And you might be like, wow, I didn't even see it that way. So sometimes it's good to get input. And I know over the years as a pastor, there are people who have come to me and they're informing me they're not asking for counsel. They're telling me what they're going to do. Can you please pray for me? We're doing this. You know, and I'll pray. But I have to tell you, deep down inside, sometimes I'll say, I don't know if you've, this is really God's will or not. You, you've, you've already made your decision, and I don't know if you've really, and, and maybe I just don't know, and so forth. But it's always good to pray, sometimes ask for confirmation, and so forth, because the Spirit does want to lead us. Galatians 5.25, you see it on the screen, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Some of you are running ahead of the Spirit, and some of you are way behind the Spirit. You know, if you're staying in step with the Spirit, you're right there, right, and you're letting Him take the lead. That's one of the things He wants to do. He's our counselor. And I was thinking about some passages in Scripture, and one that came to mind was Jesus Remember what happened right after his baptism? I'll just read a little part from Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit when he went into the wilderness. Do you know when Jesus went to be tempted by Satan? It's just before that, it says that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Uh, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to lead him. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to lead him, boy, sure do we. So make sure. It, it really, when you look at it, I, I like to think of the Holy Spirit as kind of like our personal GPS. But this GPS does not make mistakes. It's not going to guide you down some bad road like, oh, man, there must have been a mess up on somehow in this system and so forth. The, a GPS is so helpful. And boy, I, I don't know how we live without it anymore, right? Don't have to do all those big maps and try to figure a way around and so forth. It was like GPS is so convenient. But that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. He wants to guide us, give us that wisdom for decisions. And let me tell you, when you look at verse 14, it says, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. We become children of God first, and then he begins to lead us. Okay? Um, we are children of God because of our relationship, not based on activities. And I want to make sure that um, that's very clear. Um, so I throw this question out to each and every one of us is, how is the Spirit of God leading you today? And you don't need to answer this out loud. But I think it's a good thing if you're taking notes to write this down, maybe contemplate this, maybe go back to your quiet time tomorrow or tonight and just say, how is the Holy Spirit leading me? Or is He? Or am I trying to lead the Holy Spirit? Am I running ahead of God? Or am I... You know, in Scripture, it talks about don't be like the horse or the mule. Some of you are horses. You know what that means, right? You're running out ahead. What's that make the rest of you? <laughs> the mules. You know, you know, it's like you're stubborn. You're not like, you're not, you know, when God's saying no, you need to take the step of faith. You need to begin to start serving. You need to start giving. You need to start witnessing. You're like, ah, I got my excuses. That's a mule. The horses are like, yeah, hey, tell me, what do I need to do? I'm ready to do it. I'm a... And sometimes you might overcommit because you're like running ahead and so forth. So it's really important for us to stay in step. Let's keep going. Verse 15. 
The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you do not live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I love that, Abba, Father. Abba is Aramic. Uh, Aramic for Papa or Daddy. It's an intimate term for a father. You know, my grandkids, I think it's, it's the best name. You, you can all call me Dave. You can all call me Pastor Dave. But you know what? There's a name much better that I enjoy hearing. That's in my, around my grandkids when they call me Papa. And I think that's what God loves for us, that intimate conversation with him. That's one of the things the Spirit will do because we're in his family. We've been adopted. We cry, Abba, Father. See, my relationship with God is superior to my relationship with my wife, our kids, our grandkids. And when you see it there, it says you don't live in fear. No, we have joy. We don't have to live in fear. We have freedom. Religion controls you. But Jesus frees us. And we are intimate. We're not superficial. We're not going through a bunch of rituals here, a bunch of regulations and rules. We have an intimate relationship with a God. He wants us to think of him like a papa. That's our God. Verse 16 and 17, and we'll close out. It says, the Spirit himself, now the thing you're going to see what the Spirit's doing here, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So number five is the Spirit confirms our adoption into the family of God. The Holy Spirit in us confirms that we're his children, that we've been adopted. And in Roman times, an adopted child had the full rights of a birth child. Didn't matter what the person's past was, when they were adopted in, and these people would have known this in Rome, as it was written to these Roman Christians, they understood what adoption meant. We have been adopted. See, as, and, and we've been adopted and grafted in as Gentiles into, you know, the family of God. You know, before that, there were Jewish people were like part of his children, but now we are. And it's not really about blood anymore. It's about the Spirit, the Spirit testifying, the Spirit confirming our adoption. And what, look what it says there. There's a big inheritance waiting for us, that glory waiting for us. And um, sometimes you may not see that inheritance here on earth. Don't worry. Because our inheritance is in our real home in heaven. I know, I can't. And, and, and I, I wish this last part of 17 wasn't in here and I didn't have to end on it, but look what it says there. If indeed we share in his suffering. Nobody likes that, do they? That doesn't fill church pews by talking about the suffering that we have to go through. But it's a reality. Why does God want us to know about the sufferings? Because in this life, there is trouble. There's pains. There's people that, that die young and have cancer and have different issues go on in their life and wayward kids and go foreclosed on and lose jobs. I mean, there's suffering. But don't lose hope. We have a, a father who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He has no problem in taking care of his kids. And that's where trust comes in. That's where we will see him come in. That we're his children. He will take care of us. It's not about our performance either. It's about our position. A child doesn't have to perform 
to be a child. My grandkids, don't, they're not my grandkids because they're really good. They're, they're based on relationship, based on they're a part of the family. They're positionally my grandkids, not based on performance. And God doesn't look at you by your performance either. If you've accepted Christ, you are a co-heir with God and with Christ. And the Holy Spirit should confirm that in you. But what oftentimes what religion does, what Satan wants to do, is he wants to turn it into a performance. And when you perform well, you feel good about yourself. And when you sin and you fail, then you don't feel good about yourself. That's where that condemnation comes in at. And I was thinking about the rich young ruler. Remember the story about the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus, and look at this one verse on the screen, Luke 18, 18. It says, a certain ruler asked him, talking to Jesus, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's where a lot of people are at today. What must I do? How do I get there based on my performance? What do I need to do? It's not based on performance. It's not what we get to do. Our inheritance is based on our relationship with God, not by what we do for Him. Amen? So let's take a quick little review before we pray with what we just went over, the five things tonight that the Holy Spirit is doing in each and every one of you if you're in Christ. Oop, can we go back? There we go. The Holy Spirit provides this. Freedom from the condemnation, condemnation of sin and death. No more condemnation. If you're, if you're condemned, you're listening to the lie, and God doesn't want you to do that. Number two, a mind, a thought life of life and peace. Number three, strength to say no to sin and yes to God. Now, we still, we still have our free will. We still have to make these choices, but he's given us a, a strength, a power to be able to do it. Number four, guidance in life. Help us with decisions through wisdom, through, through the peace of God in our, in our hearts. And number five, confirmation of adoption into God's family. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit's in you? That's a pretty powerful list, isn't it? We can do a lot, a lot, a lot in this life with the Holy Spirit in us, amen? And that's not everything. That's just what we read about in these 17 verses tonight. Now again, if you're not in Christ Jesus... We'll give you an opportunity. Just come up at the end of the service. Love to talk to you, pray with you, answer questions you might have, because that's where it all starts. Some of you, you haven't been living this list that we just been, went through. The enemy somehow has got you sidetracked. has got you believing lies. Remember, it's, it's a mindset. You've got to let the Spirit take control. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these that are online and these who are here in person, and even those that are watching or listening to this service after the fact. Thank you for your word, Lord, and thank you for, the, for people leaning in to listen to you tonight through Romans 8. Thank you for what you've taught us tonight about what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And I just pray for each and every one of us, if we have been believing any lies contrary to what we just read tonight, I pray that you would help us denounce those lies, I help, help us to repent, help us to get back in step with your spirit, letting your spirit guide us, giving us confirmation of our adoption into your family, giving us that power to say no to sin and yes to you, not believe in any condemnation, because we have been free from that. We thank you for that, Lord.
We thank you for what your Holy Spirit is doing in each and every one of us. And Lord, I just pray for anybody who's here or watching online who's not a believer, have not turned their life over to Jesus Christ. I pray that you will not allow them to click off the computer or to leave this building tonight until they have made that commitment to you because it's so important. There's no guarantees for tomorrow. And Lord, we know our life, our eternal life, rests in our relationship with you and through the forgiveness of our sins. And I just pray that people will make things right in their heart with you tonight. In Jesus' name.